Yeah, so this is, uh, this is new for me. <laughs> I'm very nervous. If you could feel my palms right now, it, it's a mess up here, guys. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Sweaty. But um, it's an honor to serve in this way tonight. I'm blown away by how faithful God is and the fact that he, look, I, I live with me. So like, and I've lived with me for the 27 years I've been alive. And so I know who I've been, where I've been, what I've done. And it's amazing that I'm in a position to be able to share anything with you guys today. I'm genuinely thankful for that. So thank you, Lord. Um, I do want to take this time to thank uh, Chad and Wendy, who aren't here tonight, but um, just for trusting me with this. And so if you guys, I think it's that camera. Thank you, Chad and Wendy, for trusting me. Um, for those of you who don't know Chad, his, his leadership's a little bit like, I went skydiving one time in college, and it was the only time I've been, I've ever been since. And you get up in the plane, and before they even ask if you're ready, you're jumping out of the plane. <laughs> and that's the best way I can really describe Chad's leadership. So it's like, you know, Chad, I have a phobia of speaking. Well, hey, Joe. <laughs> time to jump. So thank you, Coach, for always pushing me. I got a text from B.B., today from Mama Wendy. Uh, this is the text that I got from Bibi at 6.24 p.m. Wendy says, tell Joe, Mama Wendy said not to screw up. I'm watching him online. So, <laughs> perfect. So thank you, Wendy. I'll do my best not to screw this up. So, but I love you guys both sincerely. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, yeah, guys, before I, I say anything, I, I would like to pray. Um, yeah, so let me just pray really quick. So Abba, Here's the deal. Um, I just confess to you my utter need for you. Um, Lord, I also confess that you are worthy of glory and honor. And so, Father God, I, I sincerely ask and sincerely pray that you would give me the words to speak um, to your people tonight. Father, I, I'm humbled to be able to serve in this way. Um, Holy Spirit, I need you. <laughs> I need you so much. Father, I pray that everyone that's listening to this online that's here, Father, that they would hear you. Um, Father, I pray that my voice would disappear and that yours would enter this room. And Father, may you be glorified through everything that we do with our lives, especially tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So I think it might have been Lee who started this, but just kind of sharing a vulnerable thing about ourselves is we get ready to teach. So here's the reason. The reason I'm wearing black tonight is because I didn't have confidence to wear any other color because I know I'll probably sweat through this thing by the end of the day. Like that's literally, I went to Target, actually I went to Kohl's with Quinn and uh, you know, found this shirt for four bucks and was like, this is it. That's the shirt. It's the right color and I'm going to need it tonight. So that's, that's my vulnerable story, guys. I, I literally needed to wear black because it would be very distracting if I wasn't. Um, that's, that's the first little tidbit I want to share with you guys. But as we get going here, um, I was driving in the car yesterday, and I was trying to think of where was I coming from. I can't figure it out. Anyways, I was driving in the car yesterday and just talking to the Lord. And one of the things that is astounding to me is that is like is the risenness of Christ, the fact that He's He's with us always. And I think so often like we can forget that, but the fact that we even have a God that we can talk to is ridiculous. It really is. And, and one of the things that happens is that every moment of your life, when you grasp that, becomes a sacred moment. Right? So like you're driving in the car by yourself, but you're not by yourself. <laughs> right? Like, and, I, and I think we can forget that, but it's true. 
And so if you actually root yourself in that fact, every moment is sacred. And, and, and the truth is, you guys, is God is always speaking. And so I'm driving in the car yesterday, and he st- I wasn't even talking to him about tonight, but he, he, he broke in into my mind and just said, Joe, one of, the, one of the things I want you to do is to talk to those who have a hard time on the holiday season. And, and I said, okay, what do, you, what do you mean? And he said, Joe, for all, it, it's, not, it's not that the holiday season's bad, ever, right? Because there's so much to be thankful for, right? Thanksgiving and Christmas, this time of the year is amazing. But the reality is, is there's a lot of times that people aren't actually in that space in their heart or in their mind. And I think, you know, in the, to try to just be a part of the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of Thanksgiving, you can really force yourself into being thankful, right? Or to, to projecting something. But the reality is, is you're not there. And I really felt, it was funny, that, that picture has wrecked me, and it has for a few weeks. But to me, the, the eye of that eagle is, is everything. It's, it's the seeing, it's the fact that God sees you. And I feel like there are people in here tonight, and the Father showed me this yesterday, that this season's really hard, right? Like Thanksgiving and being with family is really hard. And Christmas, if you're honest, is a really rough season. And so I just, I want to point you to this because God sees you, right? Like he sees you tonight. He sees you every moment of your life. But there's specifically for those in the room who this time of year is very difficult. Like I just want to take a second before we go on to what I have to give tonight. Like God sees you. And he loves you right where you're at. And, and, I, and I honestly just bless the people online, the people that are in here that feel that, to just be okay with where you are, sincerely, and just accept where you are this holiday season. Because the Father accepts you for exactly where you are. Amen. And that's the truth. And as we get going here tonight, you guys, <clears throat> I actually wanted just to start by introducing myself to you guys, because I realize that not everybody knows me. I wish that I knew everybody, but I just don't. And it's... I think one of the hardest parts about church dynamics is there's so many amazing people that come fill the seats on Sundays, and it's, it's, we're finite people. And so it's, it's really hard to get to know people, but I look out here and I see so many people that I love and people that I have yet to love, you know. I love you in, in Christ, but man, I wish I could, could know you guys. But I wanted to share a little bit about myself because, you know, I want to introduce myself to you. So this is my attempt of, you know, a mass introduction. And I want to actually show a picture of my family because it's one of the things I love most about my life. And so this is my family, and I know some of you guys are probably like, what in the heck, how did that happen? Okay, so here's the deal. Three, three siblings are adopted, okay? One's biological. And so as we go down the, the list here, I, I want to actually start with my parents who are over here on the far right of the screen. So that's my dad. Um, his name's Rich. He's up in Minnesota. I think he's watching this tonight. I love you, Dad. Um, he's, he's the best man I've ever known. Sincerely. Um, I love him. That's my mom. Uh, my mom passed away four years ago. Uh, I love her very much. I know she's with Jesus. And I know she's watching tonight. One of the things I love most about my mom is that she was so tough. Like, talk about a hard-nosed woman. That was, that was my mother and I think that's one of the things she really deposited into my life was just grit, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, she died of a crazy heart aneurysm out of nowhere. It shook our family to the core, and if I'm honest with you guys, it's still really hard. I've had a hard couple weeks just thinking about my mom. I think the holiday season for me is tough, tougher than I even know, um, and I miss her. That's me in the middle. I, I played football at Michigan, by the way, so this this is a 
picture of senior day. So we played Ohio State. We lost, like we lost yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was. It's brutal. This game, we actually, we drove all the way down. Ohio State was number three in the country at the time. We drove, we drove all the way down, and we, we went for two to win the game, and we didn't convert. And so we lost, I think it was 40 to 41. But here's the, re- look, I'd rather lose going for the win than lose playing it safe. And, you know, I was thankful to be a part of this game. It was awesome. I actually started that game and, and had a catch in it. It was a pretty awesome moment in my life. Um, the guy on my right there is my little brother, Peter. Quinn always teases me because he doesn't seem like my little brother. He's bigger than me, but that's Peter. He's an electrician. He's up in Minnesota. We're Minnesotans, by the way, so that's where my family's all at. Um, Peter's one of the kindest people I've ever met. He's so quiet, and so much that he does with his life is behind the scenes. You guys have those people in your lives who are behind-the-scenes people that, like, really can be glue. (laughs) They don't often get the recognition that they honestly deserve, but I, I have a theory that at the Bama Seat of Christ, and when we're all in heaven together, they will. And that is my hope for my brother. Um, he's an amazing, an amazing person. A smiley little one right there next to my brother is my sister, Noelle. She's a sophomore in college. She was adop- adopted from Arkansas. So both of those guys were, Peter and Noelle were adopted from Arkansas. I was from Georgia, Thomasville. Noelle is just joy. She's so artistic, so creative and athletic. She, I told her the other day, I said, Noel, you, you're probably the most raw, talented person I've ever met in my life. And her heart for love is so huge. She's amazing. Some of you guys got to meet her when she was here. She was here a few months ago. And then the guy on the far right, the far well, left for you guys, is my brother Rob. So he's the oldest. The story of my family is like this. My parents had a really hard time getting pregnant for a long, a long time. And they, never, they didn't think that they would be able to. And so they looked into adoption. And they got surprised with Rob. So they got pregnant, praise the Lord, and that's my big brother there. He's been somebody I've looked up to my whole life. His words mean so much to me, and and I love him very much. And I think that they're all watching, and I love you guys. So So that's a little bit about me, but I want to stay here for a second because I think that pictures can be really misleading, right? Just like principally, they they can tell you a moment, but they can't tell you what was actually happening. And so for, for those of you guys who don't know my story well, that smile on my face might look great, but the reality is, is I was scared to death um, to go play in this football game. So for those of you who aren't football fans, Michigan, Michigan has a pretty big stadium. It's like 110,000 people, nationally televised games every week. And for someone who really struggled with self-value and self-worth, playing in a football game was like the worst case scenario, especially when, you know, this is before I was I knew who I was in Christ, and I'm still figuring that out, but I really had no idea then. And so football, to me, was my identity, right? And so every time I went onto that field, my identity was totally threatened. And so instead of being something that brought life to my life, it actually was something that was horribly nerve-wracking and awful, honestly. And I was talking to Sean Curtis. He actually, God really used him in my life to, to speak into some things about this season of my life, but... My time at Michigan as a whole was really, uh, really rough. <laughs> you know, you, you think it's like, oh my gosh, you got to play football here. Well, the reality, guys, is it was, it was borderline tormenting for me. Just the anxiety was overwhelming. The, the peace almost never, like never came. The, the most peace I ever felt playing a football game in that stadium was against Iowa. And it was because I got a concussion early in the game. It was actually one of my first starts ever. I got 
knocked out by this dude and didn't tell the trainers, this is, this is terrible for me to be admitting this, but it's the truth. And I stayed in the game and I had a few catches and I played out of, I literally played out of my mind that day. And it was because it was for the first time I was actually out of it. Um, but this, this picture, you guys, like, it's not indicative of, really, of where I really was in that season, you know? And I'm so thankful for this moment. This is one of, you know, we had some more time together as a family, but one of the last things, big moments of my life that I remember with my mom before she died. She died about a year later. And um, I'm just really thankful for, for that season of my life. And as we get going here tonight, you guys, one of the, really, you can put the, the scripture up on the, actually, hold on a second. The script, I, the, tonight's super simple. Like, I actually had a whole sermon planned out. I had like eight scripture references. I was going to like bounce all throughout the Old Testament, New Testament. You know, it's really my first time preaching. And so I, I was like, God, this has got to be, it's got to be awesome. And in God fashion, he literally erased everything that I was going to say, you know. And he actually took me back to something that I preached in youth. Uh, a few weeks ago, and that's from Genesis 3.9. And before you put it up there, you guys, I, I want to take you down a little bit of, you know, of, of my story. So, so after Michigan, I tried pretty futilely to make it in the NFL, and I didn't. I never got a call from a team. I wasn't picked up. I had seven catches in college, one touchdown. I was not like a, people had my whole career in a game. <laughs> I was not a superstar. Um, but, you know, I had a dream, and so I pursued it. And I didn't make it. And so my first real job, right, after not making it in football, was a sales job. And so I actually moved myself down to, to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I worked for an NFL team, actually. I worked for the Miami Dolphins. And I was in their front offices. And so basically, the job that I signed up for was to cold call as many South Floridians as possible every day to try to sell them tickets to come see the Miami Dolphins play. And so let me tell you a few things about that. So, so there's a lot of things going wrong. First of all, the Miami Dolphins have been horrible, <laughs> right? So like for a long time. And so to get any of those fans interested in coming to a game is tough. Second of all, it's South Florida. And so on a Sunday, it's beach day. It's anywhere but watching the Dolphins get destroyed again. And so you get, you know, you pick up the phone call, the phone, and you call these people. And half the time, I've literally had people laugh at me. I had people get on the phone and say, why would we want to come watch you play? It was brutal. It was awful. But that was my job. They, they literally paid me to make cold calls. Has anyone ever had a cold call job before? So you guys probably can feel my pain. It, it's rough. I don't recommend it unless God tells you to do it. Then do it and do it with all you got, but. And so anyways, one of the things that they taught me, you know, right when I first moved down there, right when I got this job, was the importance of a question, right? Because when you have a split second to grab somebody's attention, right, because half these calls are like seven seconds long before they hang up on you, it's brutal. One of the things that they taught us was that it, it all comes down to question asking, right? And, and one of the things that they said is that closed-ended questions are horrible. So a closed-ended question, I'll give you an example, is, is your shirt red? If you can answer that with a yes or no, that's what a closed-ended question with is. And in sales, in cold calls, that's like the worst thing that you can do because it, it's a conversation ender, right? So like if you get a, hey, have you ever been to a Dolphins game before? No. Crickets, <laughs> right? So you, you typically don't want to ask questions that you can lead them down and they'll say yes or no. You want to ask open-ended questions, right? So instead of asking, have you ever been to a Dolphins game before? ask, when's the last time you were at a Dolphins game, 
right? Because it naturally elicits a response that's more than a yes or no. And so this was like a hard thing for me to learn, but it was something that as I started getting really good at sales, it's something that changed, changed the game for me. Because when you can start kind of playing ping pong back and forth on the phone with somebody, you can gain their interest, you can find out things about them, you can find out who they went to the games with. You can ask these questions to learn why they would even want to go. And so questions are important. I think that we always know that, but I want to just sit on that for a second. Because I think for all of us in our walks with God, right, like we're all here because we want to walk with him. And the reality is that we all have so many questions for him. Like if your guys' faith walk is anything like mine, then it probably has more questions than answers on a day-to-day basis. It probably is filled with questions from our end to him. But my question is, is what happens when God asks the question? And one of my favorite things about Chad is he's developed friendship with God because he's pursued it for so long. And I feel like knowing the Father as a friend is, is what he's waiting for all of us. And he really, he really pours that out. And Chad's gone after that for such a long time. But, one of, you know, being a part of this church and under Chad's leadership, it, the questions that God asks him astound me. You know what I mean? Because have you guys ever heard any of the questions that God asks you? You know, and when God's asking the questions, it's a, different, it's a game changer, right? Like, why would a God who knows every, everything ever ask a question? And if he does ask questions, then the questions must really mean something. Are you guys tracking with me? Right? So like if a God who knows every hair on your head, Sean Curtis, asks you a question, well then there must be something to him asking that question other than just, because he knows the answer. It's relationship. Right? Like he actually desires relationship with us to the point where he'll ask us a question when he already knows the answer. It's an unbelievable show of humility on God's part because he could come with the right answer every moment, just speak in statements and be totally justified in doing it, and he doesn't. He asks us questions because he values us. And so I think you guys, you know, really why God highlighted me this scripture is because the first question God ever asks man is probably an important question. Like, am I right? Like, if questions are important, we know that. We know that God, who knows everything, asks them. Well, if he's asking questions, the one that he asks must be important. And so this is just some, as Chad would say, some barnyard math. I'm going to go back to the first question that God ever asked because it probably says a lot intrinsically about who God is and the relationship he desires with all of us. Right? And so that's where we find ourselves in Genesis 3.9. And this is the first question that God ever asked man. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? The Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? So for some context, you guys, this is in the Garden of Eden, right? Genesis 1 through 3 is the creation story. God literally made this whole thing. And he set man up to rule and reign over it, to co-labor with him, to... It was perfect. And what happens is, is you guys know the story. Right? They eat from the tree they're not supposed to. The one thing God asks them not to do, well, tells them not to do, they, they disobey. They eat, and then they hide. And so this is the first question that God comes, and it says that he was walking in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve heard him, and they hid. And right here, this is the first question that God asks. He asks, where are you? So I think there's, there's, there's so much here. 
I mean, I think I want to start by saying this. So it says, but the Lord God called to the man. So the father was the one initiating the pursuit, right? And I think that's always important for us to know and to remember. God's always the pursuer. He's always been, he'll always be. I think so often we talk about going after God and how we want to, all that stuff. We're only pursuing him as a reciprocal of the pursuit that he's already showed us, right? Jesus says it this way, that you couldn't even come to his father unless he called you or chose you first, You can't even love unless he loved you first. Our entire lives are basically a mere reciprocal, reciprocating what the the Father's already done. And so you can miss it even in this scripture. It's the Lord God calling to man. It's it's God coming to him. That's why I I want to start. God is is taking a step forward. He's always been. He always will be. He's always... In the dance of life, he's always the one leading and stepping first. And that should, for so many of us guys, like I, I feel like even in this room, friendship with God can feel so like cloudy. Like, like how do I get there? What do I need to do? I think knowing that he's the one who's pursuing you will change your whole game. Like when you truly believe that at the deepest level, that God wants relationship with you more than you ever could with him. It'll, it'll really make this thing, it'll take, it'll take a lot of the questions out of it. Because, it, you know, in, in, when you get in your room with the Lord and you open up your Bible, it's not, oh my gosh, all right, I've got to go after God. It's, Father, you've drawn me here. <laughs> Father, you've put yourself in these pages in a way that makes sense to my mind, Father, and you give me your spirit that these words on these pages become reality within me, Father. And I thank you so much that this was your idea in the first place. Me being in this room pursuing you was your idea in the first place, Abba. And I so thank you for that. I thank you that the pressure is off of me trying to figure out my faith. That, that That's not even like a thought to you, Father. This is a relationship, and it's a relationship you've initiated. And so I honor you, and I thank you for that. And then what starts to happen is instead of going to a place where this is like the most labor-intensive roll your eye, I got to do it because I'm a Christian, it becomes like I get to go be with him and to see him more clearly. And he'll make it make sense to me. I've heard, I mean, Daniel Culpepper's in here. Where are you, Daniel? Part of his testimony, you guys, reading was really hard for him. (laughs) Like being able to read words on the pages of the Bible was like very difficult. And to comprehend it was hard but something started to happen with Daniel when he started to pursue the Lord and just go there because he realized God wanted him there. It started making sense to him. God started opening his mind. In the New Testament, it says that the father opened a woman named Lydia's heart to receive him. He opened her heart so she could actually receive the gospel. Right? And so I, before we even get into this tonight, you guys, he's pursuing you. He's always, you're only here because he's pursuing you. Like, this, this is so underrated, right? And, we, like, we don't understand. We don't, we don't understand. I, I don't understand. I struggle with this all the time because, like I said, I live with me. I know what I bring to the table is not all that great. You know, Jonathan Helms is counseling me. He can tell you it's not all that great. But, but yet God pursues me. And so who am I to say that, you know, I'm not worth it? You know, who are you to say you're not? And so for all of you guys, I, I think it's so easy, Quinn Woodard, for you just to take this. I think it will literally change your life when you, go, when you go home to be with him tonight or tomorrow morning, whatever you do, Quinny. He's the one who wants to be with you. And he drew you to that moment. And so of course he's going to speak to you. 
Of course he will. Of course he, he knows where you are. Of course he does. But if we go back to Genesis 3 9, if you could put it back up there, I, w- I want to leave it up there. The question that God asks is where I want to go now, because he's asking a question that on the surface can seem really basic, but it's really, really deep. Right? So we're talking about God. Adam and Eve are hiding. Let's get the picture. They're, they're hidden in the garden. And God asks, where are you? Like, so let's be really straight. He's not asking, are you behind that tree or behind that rock? Right? Because he knows. <laughs> He's God. He knows exactly where they are. This question is a direct point to their spirit. What he's asking them is, where are you in your heart, in your spirit? Where are you really right now, Adam? Do you guys know that this is the question that he's asking all of us every second, every moment, every day of our lives? And our entire faith walk hinges on our willingness to make where we really are known before him. Okay? Let me, let me say it again like this, because that was really good. That was really good. So let me say it again like this. Everything as we relate to God in friendship and relationship hinges on our willingness to step towards him and say, Lord, here I am. All right, so my life, you guys, I grew up going to a mega church in Michigan, it's huge, 14,000-member church, Kensington Church. I'm so thankful for my time there. It blessed me. You know, I, I grew up knowing what it was to be a Christian, you know, the things I could do, the things I couldn't do. I was supposed to read my Bible. And so my whole life, like, thankfully, my parents, love the Lord, like, pointed me to him. I'm so thankful for my upbringing. But one of the things that crept into my life almost unannounced was a strong like a, like a veil that I brought before the Lord every time I went to be with him, right? Because I had all the right Christian things to say. Like I knew, I knew the answers to my questions before I could say them, right? Like, like you guys ever struggle with that? Like ever where you know what you should be feeling, right? Like on Thanksgiving, you know you should be thankful. And so you almost kind of bully yourself into being thankful. But the reality is, is you're not thankful, right? Like stuff's going awry in your life. Things are really hard and you're not there. Yet you can actually just continue saying the things that you're thankful for and your heart not actually being connected to them. Does that make sense, you guys? That was my life, <laughs> my whole life. And one of the things that happened to me is, is I went to, to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry out in Reading. I was there for a year. And how many of you guys have heard of Bethel Church? That's awesome. It's an amazing place and it blessed my life so much. But I went out there, you guys, like to really figure out, you know, the encounters with God, what it was really like to like, you know, walk in the stuff, to to walk in the spirit, to see all the things. And not one profound encounter in the, you know, falling out, speaking in tongues, seeing a miracle, none of those things happened to me. Not one. Zero. Zero. But the most profound encounter of my life happened there. And I'm so thankful for it. I want to share that with you guys tonight. So one of the things that we had to do for the school was read the Bible, right? Go figure. We had to read the Bible, and so we were assigned just daily readings. And I would go up in my room to read every day when I was supposed to and, and, and do the things that my teachers were asking me to do, which was read. And it all kind of culminated one day. I was sitting up in my room. My door was closed. I had my Bible out. I think I might have had my journal, my pen, and was reading. 
And I don't know what overtook me, but I put my Bible down, and for the first time in my life, I was honest with God. Like, for the first time in my life, I answered that question. (laughs) And for me, it sounded like this. God, I hate spending time with you, and I hate reading the Bible. It's literally what I said. (laughs) Right now, I'm up here preaching. It's pretty funny. (laughs) But that's what I said. But but, (laughs) as soon as I said it, it was the clearest I've, to this day, I've ever heard God speak to me, ever, my whole life, the clearest I've ever heard him. Here's what he said. He said, Joe, that's because every time you come to be with me, you bring who you think I want you to be and not who you actually are. As soon as I said that, he met me with, with truth. It was like, in, in a, I, 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 li- I had my mouth open. I was, like, I was like, what in the world is happening? Right? And I think that there's a, there's a thought that you guys, like, God's threatened by your mess or where you're not. He's not. Matter of fact, he actually knows more than you do where you really are. And so when you're saying things like, oh, God, I just love being in your presence and I love your word, but the reality is, is that you don't, he knows that that's not you, <laughs> right? And Jesus Christ didn't die to reconnect us to the Father so the Father could connect us to some false self that we project to him. He died to reconnect us to the Father in intimacy. And last time I checked, intimacy means intimacy. Into me you see, people talk all the time. Intimacy is like that. It's the true self of who you are connecting with the true self of who God is. Right? And so for me in that bedroom in Redding, California, it was the first time in my life, bar none, that I was real before God and he met me in it. And he wasn't mad. <laughs> right? Like he wasn't mad and saying, Joe, well, you, you, what do you mean you hate reading? He wasn't offended. He was, God actually, he was grateful that I was finally willing to let him in <laughs> to my heart. Right? There's a, there's a horrifying passage in the New Testament where Jesus says, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, didn't we do X, Y, Z thing in your name? Didn't we cast out demons, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers? And what will he say? He said that I never knew you, not you never knew me. Semantics are important, you guys, right? Because if you read that scripture and say, well, you never knew me, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I never knew you. How could a God who knows every hair on all of our heads at all time, who knows the details of our heartbeat, not know us? It's when we refuse to answer that question, right? To come into his presence with who we really are and be, actually be with him while we're actually with ourselves, My gosh, that's good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's, there's so much in my mind right now. Holy Spirit, please just help me say what you're saying. <sighs> Jesus boils down the whole, the whole thing to two commandments, right? To love God with everything you got and to love your neighbor. And so often we stop there and say, love your neighbor. We have to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, the last time I checked, loving yourself is not bullying yourself into presenting a false self. Loving yourself well is actually saying, here's where I really am. Like, I'm not doing well this holiday season. Like, I, I'm not doing well at my job. I struggle with it. And I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but I feel like I hate that guy. You know what I mean? And here's the truth. You're wrong. 
right? Like, like I was wrong in what intimacy with God was in that room when I said I hated reading his word, right? Like, the fault was on my end. It's not like God was ever in the wrong. But until you're willing to actually go there, not only with God, but with yourself, you, you, you actually can't connect with people. You can't love people. You can't. You can only give away to the degree that you've received for yourself. You can only reciprocate love on someone to the way that you've received the love of God. It, this, that's how this whole thing works. And people know it. Do you guys ever get like good feelings around somebody? Like where you just feel, Brittany Banks is one of those people for me. When you're around Brittany, you just feel loved and safe and good. She carries love. What you guys don't know is the amount of warfare that's been in her life to get her to never love herself. <laughs> to, to, to literally to shut her so far away that she could never give out what she was made to do in God, which is to bring home and bring love to people. I, I can guarantee you Brittany's whole life changed the day that she started receiving God's love for herself. And so, guys, like, the only thing that I wanted to bring tonight was just a really easy thing for you to carry away the rest of your lives. And my gosh, I think that God did it. I think that he gave me something. Because if you ask yourself this question and answer it every day, it'll change your life. It'll change the whole thing. And what you'll start to find, you guys, is, is God's response to you in your most vulnerable, raw self is, is so full of kindness and tenderness and compassion that it'll astound you. Right? Like, there's not been a time in my life, and I, and I kid you not, not one time in my life that I've answered this question to the Lord and he's been mad at me for being real. Not one time. And I think scripture should be the basis for everything, right? Like, I think if I get up here and say all kinds of stuff, but, you know, you look through scripture, it's all throughout it. If you read the Psalms, most of which were written by David, he literally sounds like a schizophrenic person. It's like, God, I exalt you and I trust you, but I think you've abandoned me and you hate me. God, I cling to you. You're my rock, my shield. God, why have you forsaken me? Like, it's this, it's this tension, but you know what God calls David? He calls him a man after his own heart. He's the only person in all of scripture that God gives that to. So apparently God wasn't offended with David's heart. Right? right? Like, apparently God was okay with where David really was. Right? And you say, well, in Job, Job does it and God rebukes him. Job's was different because Job was assumptive as to what God was doing. Where Job, Job and his buddies erred was that they projected what God must be thinking or must be doing onto God. Instead of saying, God, this is where I'm at. I'm struggling. Help. It was also, why are you doing this? Why is this your... They missed it. Right, you look at Gideon. My gosh, God, God comes and talks to Gideon and he's like, ah, they put out a fleece <laughs> to know this is really you. God goes to, to Moses and speaks to him and he's like, ah, I can't do it. Right? Like if you guys read Moses' story, it's insane the patience that God has for him. It's insane. But God's not mad at him. God sends him Aaron and says, all right, Moses, you're that terrified. I'll be with you. It should be good enough. All right, here, I'll bring Aaron with you and he'll speak. Like God met him. Because God's not afraid and he never has been. He never will be, John Mark, with where we really are. And I'm so thankful for that. And so tonight, as we close here, I, I really do, I'm learning just about how when you've received a breakthrough in your life, the ability that God gives you to give it. 
I don't understand how it works in the spirit, but I know it's a real thing. But is there anybody here, just by a show of hands, who'd be willing to admit that it's really hard for them to be where they really are with God? Yeah? I'd like you guys to come down here. I'd love to pray you, pray for you as we just close this time. Because the day that I received this for myself and that God shifted my whole life is the day everything changed. And it's still changing. And if there's any part of that that I can give to you, impart to you in any way, I'd be, I'd be honored to. And so for those of you guys who are not up front, may God bless you in this. May you, may you refuse to ever move from answering that question all the days of your life. And would you please join me in prayer for our brothers and sisters here who, who want to go deeper with God in this way. Yeah, so Abba, I thank you so much um, just for who you are and who you've always been. I thank you for who you've created us to be. I thank you that this thing has always been about intimacy. And Father, I thank you for meeting me in that bedroom of that log cabin house in Redding, California and accepting me for exactly who I was at that time and for bringing me out of that, Lord. And so, Father, for all of those that have come forward, all those on, online who've struggled with this, Father, I, I am sincerely asking that everything you've done in me in vulnerability and honesty with you in answering the question, where are you? Father, that you would give it in full to these men and women of God. Father, I am asking that they would be rooted and grounded in the knowledge that that's the part of their faith that you've always wanted, that that's what real faith looks like. Because when we receive the tender love of an Abba, of a daddy God who hugs us and embraces us in our most tough spot, spots, God, it just does something to shape and to shift us, Father. So I give freely everything you've established in me in this area of my life, Father. May they be blessed. And Father, I thank you so much for tonight. Holy Spirit, I ask that all of the chaff would be separated, all of the extra words that weren't you, would be, would be just dropped tonight, Father. But the things that you've spoken to each heart in this room, online, on everyone that will listen to this, Father, I pray that your spirit would speak so loudly and so clearly. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.